This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello there, folks, and thank you for listening. I'm Joanna. And I'm Nate, and we are Stranger Than a podcast about the misunderstood, mysterious, creepy, or just plain weird. This episode we are talking about David Koresh and the Branch Davidians. Also today, we have a special guest. We have Alex here. Hello. From Pill Brigade, which is a band that I am also in. It's awesome. It's pretty awesome. We'll be playing a song after the whole podcast, so stay tuned for that. You want to say anything, Alex? All right. Well then, wordy as ever. So, what do you guys really know about the Branch Davidians and the David Koresh thing? First off, like, well, they we were, were all alive. <laughs> yeah, cult. They're definitely a cult. Cult. Uh, I remember the whole Waco siege or the whole Waco standoff thing happening. You were like twelve or thirteen. Yeah. I was 14. I was 13. I remember seeing it on TV. Yeah, I barely remember it on TV. But I do remember it. I remember it being a thing that people were talking about, even though I didn't really know what the hell it was. It's just Waco, Waco, Waco. And you know what? I think about it as, well, I mean, I was like 13 and thinking about like other things, but just my mindset at that time where... Everything that was being told on the news, I was just kind of taking as that to be true. Yeah. That these guys were just completely fucking crazy, and David Koresh was like an evil child molester, and they were, you know, heavily armed and really dangerous people, and then this whole Waco thing resulted with them basically intentionally killing each other and themselves, and there's actually a lot more to it. Yeah. Yeah. The scary thing, too, is I think some people are still like that. Like, that's how I was at 13, just believing everything that the news told me. But Well, at least back then, it was still illegal to propagandize the American public. Right. There was no, like, Facebook and fake news. And, uh, yeah, so things were different. But definitely there was a lot of stuff that, you know, the American people didn't know about until many years after the fact. A Which lot of actually stuff light. That, um, reminds me of... Uh... Bill Hicks was talking about in one of his acts um, after the Waco thing happened, and he was t- and, uh, he was out of the country at the time, and he was saying how he saw footage of you know a tank you know shooting fire onto right. the compound, and it's you know they you didn't see that footage in America, <laughs> and he's like, no, I I saw it. That footage was actually faked. Was it? Yeah, it was completely faked. Huh. Someone in like a in a dark room because that's how you had to do it back then. Just faked the whole damn thing. Had a, a like a flame flame footage and then also the tank footage happening. Did whatever. Although the tank did, did you know, Trickery. was used kind of as a battery. There were ram. tanks, yeah, but there was no flamethrower tanks. 
Right. I'm not sure if those exist or not. I don't think they actually do. Um, I know there's also a big dispute over flashes that, you know, it was said to be like gunfire, the Night Stalker, that FBI nifty uh, jet or plane was oh, flying right. over. Yeah, and the footage showed all these flashes, which they said was gunfire coming from the federal, from the Fed side of it. And then they did a whole investigation where they said, no, it was actually like reflective sunlight off of objects. But then they did another thing that said, no, that's, there's no way that's reflective sunlight because of the how it was timed and yeah. just the way the Night Starker would have had been flying over for uh, to get those particular reflections back. It would be basically impossible. So It was basically a still of uh, kind of that who shot first, depending on who you talk to. It's oh, right. Right, especially with like the initial raid by the ATF and... Yeah, well, we know that that's no no uh, contest. Solo shot first, fight me. Definitely. All right, so let's just get into it. Uh, not the fighting that we'll have to wait till later. So why don't you? Yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about David Koresh and the beginning of the Branch Davidians? Let's just set this whole thing up here. Well, the Branch Davidians, known as the Branch, were uh, they originated in 1955. It was a schism from the Davidian Seventh-day Adventists, also called the Davidians, which is in itself a reform movement that began as an offshoot of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and they're known as Adventists. Uh, the Branch and the Davidians have doctrinal belief differences, just like the Davidians and the Adventists have just doctrinal belief differences. It's just basically different inter- interpretations of small bits of scripture. So in 1929... This guy, Victor Hutoff, wrote a book about his new message to the church. This was the guy who started the, seventh, the Davidian Seventh-day Adventists, the Davidians. The Adventists didn't like what he had to say, and so they disfellowshipped him, which is basically like the Catholic Church um, um, excommunicating you. Yeah, thanks, Alex. And uh, right, so Hutoff takes off with his followers, and that's when he says his sets up his headquarters in Waco, Texas at a place called like the Mount Caramel Center or something like that. Mount Carmel? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And he dies in 1955. And those who were loyal to him continue as now Davidian, uh, they continue as Davidian Seventh-day Adventists. Those not loyal to Hutef but still are sort of within the realm of what they're thinking is uh, they follow this guy named Benjamin Roden. These are the people who are the Branch Davidian Seventh-day Adventists. So, the Branch. Benjamin Roden dies and his, his wife, Lois, takes over. And this all happens in the late 70s. I don't have the exact date that Benjamin Roden died, but uh, by the time that Koresh ends up in Waco, Texas, Lois, Benjamin's widowed wife, is the uh, prophetess. So, David Koresh was born Vernon Wayne Howell. So, like... He totally changed his name because yeah. he had a lame name. Yeah. Seriously. No one's going to follow old Vernon, you yeah, know? That was Vern. that was actually one of Bill Hicks' bits in the thing. It's just like, you know, who's, who's going to follow someone named Vernon? Seriously. I follow Vernon. <laughs> he said he'd give me some beef jerky. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that... I know Koresh was supposed to be some sort of a... I don't know, Indian, uh, 
religious? Or no, Koresh is from the is the Hebrew name of Cyrus the Second of some place a long time ago. Persian king Cyrus <laughs> right, the Great. Persian, all right, Persian. He was the reason that he named himself after that is because the Bible is all super cool on uh, Cyrus the Second because Cyrus the Second because he freed the Israelites and so he's known as for humanitarian stuff. Moses freed the Israelites. They keep needing to get freed, apparently. <laughs> Moses did the first time. Uh, they were in slavery to the Babylonians. Is that why Babylon is so bad in the Bible? Oh, God, there's all kinds of fucking reasons. Well, even they considered the federal government to be Babylon. Right. Babylon is such an old place that's been around for longer than most of the ancients. Old and so. Shit. There's all kinds of reasons that people talk shit about it. Did you notice? I wonder if he changed his first name to David because did you know it's like the Davidians? like King David, actually. Yeah. Who is in, Jesus is in line, in the same line as King David. I know King David was a dude who threw a rock and hit Goliath in the forehead and killed him. Oh, okay. Yeah. We also had a shitload of wives, which actually ended up being his downfall. David. King David. King David? Well... A little bit David Koresh, too. A bit. Yeah. A bit. So, Vernon Wayne Howell, born to his uh, mother, Bobby Sue Clark, was, who was 15. 14, 15. Oh. I got 14, 14 or 15, unwed teenager in the 1959. Unwed young teenager. Father was Bobby Wayne Howell. He was 19, uh, but he took off before old Vernon came out. What a dick. Yeah, he. I, I read that he like fell in love with some other underage girl and probably wanted to go knock her up. Yeah. So yes, August seventeenth, nineteen fifty nine, old Bernie comes on out. Um, Bonnie has shacked up with some violent alcoholic at that point. Great. Fuck it, you know. Yeah. That sounds like a recipe for a really happy life. You know. And a wonderful childhood. It, I'm sure, it's wonderful. Uh, so Bonnie, four years later, leaves the shitty boyfriend, and. At this point, Vernon is four years old. She drops him off in Garland, Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas, with her mother. And she takes off. She just laters on parenthood? Sort of. Uh, she does come back three years later, after she marries a carpenter named Ray Haldeman, who uh, Bonnie and, and Ray end up having a son in 1966 named Roger. Koresh had described his early childhood as lonely. Uh, she came back three years later, so he was seven by that time. It was alleged by, it was just alleged, I didn't really see who it was alleged by, but that, that he was gang-raped by older boys when he was eight years old. Uh, he was also in special education classes because of uh, dyslexia, and I guess apparently poor study habits. And then, so he dropped out of high school in 1977, his junior year. I'm surprised he made it that far, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hmm. with the gang rape and, yeah. and what have you. Dyslexia. Dyslexia. Poor study habits. They said specifically poor yeah, study habits. That's... that's sad. But he dropped out in 1977. There's not much about his early 20s. There's claims that he knocked up some girl when who was 15 years old when he was 22. He, there was I read someplace that he tried to go to L.A. to become a rock star for a bit. Yeah, he did have like a band and stuff. Mm. He was kind of a band guy. He's like one of those, one of those band guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those band guys. <laughs> those Can't band, band guys. guys. No, they end up starting cults and doing terrible things. 
having babies with virgins, it's just it's just a mess. I mean, really, you think about that because Charles Manson, he kind of had a musical thing, right? Like, that well, that's that's he why was, all those poor people you know. got killed. Uh, yeah. Why Sharon Tate and her buddies got killed was because a because some some be, producer guy used to live there yeah, and he was, was pissed at him it for was not. One of the be- I think it was one of the guys from the Beach Boys. Yeah, something like that. And then it came back and he's like, and he didn't like his demo tape or something, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, you guys need to go kill them." Except that that guy didn't live there anymore. No, and so was, he Tate was going did. to record with the Beach Boy, but he didn't take direction very well at all. Yeah. He'd be like, oh, maybe you should go like this. And he'd be like, no, fuck you. I'm the artist. I'm Charles Manson. I'm crazy. Look at my eyes. And the Beach Boy was going to be like, oh, no, that's cool then. But the rest of the Beach Boys were like, dude, Dude, uh, fucking whack. We're not doing. We're not. Now we need to not have a relationship with a total psychopath. Like, we don't need that in our lives. Totally harshing our whatevers, man. Yeah. And so then they stopped being friends with him. And that made him mad. Other than the fact that he was a fucking whack job. Yeah. Job, yes. Yeah. I mean, he didn't even kill anybody directly. No. And they're just like, no fucking way are we ever letting you out. He was like, no, I mean, no, no, no. Yeah, no, you just no, take no, one no. look at they're him. Like, it's just like, yeah, acid this... still exists. Um, people are still susceptible. <laughs> right. <laughs> and stupid. So we're just, you just stay put, people Charles. People are definitely stupider du- <laughs> now. <laughs> no, Speaking I'm still with Jupiter. Yeah. But, you know, I don't really judge people a lot that maybe do get into cults. Like, you know, once you really cross the line, I mean, some red flags should go up when you're being told to kill people. Or, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. hey, I really like your 12-year-old daughter. I should be able to have sex with her. Right. Like, that should definitely still be like, oh, yeah, maybe not. Like, but. But I think, okay, so this isn't for me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, uh, I'm having some second thoughts here. But, you know, in general, I think that, you know, people really need to find meaning in their life. And some of us more than others. Some of us are just kind of happy just to, you know, work and do whatever. But I think for some people, they really need to know that there's a reason for them to be on this planet, that their life has value and that they have something something to contribute to the world and you come across somebody who really you know speaks to you yeah very charismatic and speaks to you and seems to take things that you feel in your soul and make sense of them and says that like that's great and you're an awesome person and you belong with us uh, i can see how yeah. that happens i would think so how it starts out yeah but i mean you get to a point like you said when someone's like all right now you gotta go kill these fucking people Right. Like, well, yeah. I mean, you could have all that stuff and not completely, you know, give yeah. up all of your everything that makes you you. Right. Right. Yeah. Although, you know, some people, or, you know, when you're really or, charismatic and you can talk, it, I mean, there's plenty of. Here's times. what we're going to do. We're going to. All right. So we got this thing. We're going to drink this drink. We're going to go on the comet <laughs> and uh, we'll be with the aliens. Right? The Kool-Aid is going to be yeah. excellent. Yes. That, sure. Let's just do that. Make sure your Nikes are strapped on tight. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> no, I think there's definitely a point when common sense can take over, but just as it's easy to, you know, if you give somebody meaning, you can have control and influence on your life and you know if they're not a good person that's doing that and you have ulterior motives that are ultimately uh selfish and 
crazy and fucked up. It, it's it's easy to manipulate people sometimes. There's all those cases of wives that have abusive husbands and they just basically manipulate them and brainwash them over time that, you know, like mm-hmm. they, they can't leave and that they don't have an all, you know, any alternatives when in fact, yes, you can fucking leave. <laughs> you have every right to fucking leave an abusive situation. Just like same with the, the cold, you can absolutely walk away. But at that point, maybe I guess you're feeling like you can't. Yeah. But in that point, like though, hundreds like, of weapons, yeah, be like, yeah, you can leave. Like, bring it back. Go ahead. Leave. Go ahead. See what have happens guys, when they leave. Have you guys seen the path yet on Hulu? No. Oh my god, it's got like Aaron Paul, like Jesse from Breaking Bad is in it. He's one of the main stars. And like the chick that played the wife in the first True Detective, the first season of True Detective. Both shows that I haven't seen. Okay, yeah. well, you totally suck because those are really awesome shows. And yeah, The Path is basically about a cult. And it's one of those, you know, hey, like let's make people feel good and do good things for the community. But of course, at the you know higher up points of it there's a lot of corruption and lies sinister and, undertones right and some of that stuff was when you feel like you don't believe anymore you kind of need to be like reprogrammed by they make you take like hallucinogens and then shut you up in a room in isolation and yeah you're just trip out for a bit right <laughs> mk ultra right so i mean you don't even really need weapons sometimes it's just about stuff like that like isolating them and and when you have something like religion to back you, that lends some... Oh, yeah. You don't want to burn in hell forever. You want to... And, yeah. Or never get to see your loved ones after you die. And those are the kind of things that are held over your head. And if you're really a believer, then, yeah, that's some scary shit. Scary shit. Indeed. And so, yes, David Koresh. Oh, yeah. Obviously charismatic. Obviously spoke to a lot of people. So didn't he start like sticking it to like the old lady that was running the place? Well, yeah, he first first he came he comes back. I mean, he's still <laughs> it's still a bit early. He hasn't quite moved on to sticking it to the prophetess. Yeah. Although he will in fact stick it to the prophetess. Even though she's a lot older than him. She's significantly older than him. She's like sixty five and he's just ball deep. Oh man, this reminds me of one of our friends. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Okay. We'll call him Joey to protect his privacy. Yeah. Vernon, he comes back to uh, his home and joins his mother's church, the Seventh-day Adventists. He falls in love with the pastor's daughter. Good, good times. And he tells the pastor that he fell in love with his daughter and that he believes God wants her to be his wife. The old God wants this. It's God that wants this. pastor says... Fuck off, whack job. He probably doesn't need a pastor. He probably just says, no, man. You know, I think God may have a different plan there. Something Something tactful, no doubt. That does not stop Vernon. He keeps scamming on the pastor's daughter, and eventually the pastor just fucking kicks him out of the congregation. He's just like, I'm fucking dead with you. He's like, no, dude, you are trouble. You gotta go. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. That's right. So he doesn't stay there. He moves to Waco, Texas, and that's in 1982. That's when he joins the Branch Davidians. So he's hanging out with them for a while, about a year. 1983 comes around, and he says he's got the gift of prophecy. And allegedly is fall deep in the prophetess Lois Roden, who is 65. Allegedly. I guess no one saw it. 
and they're both dead, so yeah. they're not claim they're, they're not saying anything, but still. It was kind of known. Boots he starts claiming that God wants them to have a child together, and this child would be the chosen one. Did David Koresh not he, like, get through biology? any? Yeah, because um, I'm thinking 65, not yeah, going to happen. That's... Maybe she didn't. Maybe she lied about her age. Uh, I mean, it was the 80s, lots of makeup, big hair. Nah, I think he was just really... Uh, Dyslexic? Maybe I think he, he was focusing on a really know. big long shot, or maybe he was just telling her what she wanted to hear. Like, oh no, God! God's gonna put a baby yeah. in your dried up old uterus. <laughs> so just let me just keep just slamming it to you and blasting up in there, right? Woo! Well, it works because Lois Roden allows Koresh to begin teaching his own messages, which was called the Serpent's Root. And this message causes controversy. Koresh says he wants to marry Rachel Jones at this point, which is an above age woman. Um, he says just kind of out of the blue. It's like, oh, right. I'm this, this lady now. And uh, upon saying that, Rachel Jones adds Koresh to her name. So did so she was like his legal wife, correct? She, eventually they, they actually got married for real married. Because I think, you know, he had this legal wife and then there was like a lot of uh, spiritual wives. Oh, yeah. 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 So George Roden, which is the son of Lois Roden, is not overly pleased with any of this that's been happening. Right. Kicks Koresh and his followers out at gunpoint. And then didn't Koresh come back and like, and his buddies come back and like shoot him? In a bit. So in 1984, he marries Rachel Jones and uh, they eventually have uh, a son and two daughters. Uh, in 85, they end up in Palestine, Texas, where Koresh, and he's got 25 followers and they set up a camp there because, you know, they got kicked out of the Mount Carmel Center at gunpoint. And they're not living great. They're living in tents and cars and shit like that. But they believe in David. Now, Koresh is recruiting new followers at this point. From what I read, is in the next couple years, he's actually going to California, which isn't too hard, because that's fairly close to Texas. But he's also traveling to the United Kingdom and Israel and Australia. Now, how the fuck do you travel to all of these fucking places? If you're living in tents and cars and you're not, I mean, these people, these 25 of his followers, like, they can't be rolling in the dough to send him all these places. Uh, yeah, but it's still just him. You know, maybe, like, airfare wasn't so awful as it is now. In 1985, you could probably even still smoke cigarettes on the plane then. Yeah. But still, it seems sort of weird that he's able to go to these places. Well, maybe he just went, you know, and it was just the airfare, and he just stayed in hostels and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, college students used to, like, backpack through Europe. Like, nobody can fucking do that now, because... Rich enough, parents, parents have enough money. Even. Well, if your parents have enough <laughs> money, but it would just be like, that was, like, kind of a thing that lots of people did, whether they had money or not. I think a lot of them saved their money up, but definitely it went maybe a lot farther Maybe David Koresh was a saver, okay? I don't know. I mean, living in a I tent. Think that's, I think that's weird. Now, the same year, year he goes to Israel, he claims to have a vision that he is the modern-day modern Cyrus. So, Cyrus II of Persia. Freer of the Israelites. Freer of the Israelites. Israelites from the Babylonians. He, this is where he believed his martyrdom would occur. So, at this point, he's known. He knows he's going to become a martyr. And he thinks it's going to happen in Israel? Well, he thinks it's going to happen in Israel, and he thinks that it's going. he's going to be God's implement to establish a Davidic kingdom. 
It'd be huge just making a really good bet because I would think like if there's anywhere where I might be like accidentally killed, probably it would be Israel over like England. Yeah. I don't know. I it's had a, it's had some some violent times. Yeah, <laughs> it was kind of weird. He just went from Palestine, Texas, to Israel. I know that is weird. <laughs> it's an interesting coincidence. So, in nineteen eighty six, Lois Roden dies, and Koresh, having never gotten impregnated by David Koresh. No, no, her having the dried up old uterus. I think right. God didn't want to plant no seeds. Oh, yeah, it's just like no, no, no. So she's dead, and George, her son George Roden, the one who kicked out Koresh mm-hmm. at gunpoint, wants to take over. That's that's what what they talk about. They're, they're sure that's going to happen. That's just a succession. Everyone knows it. But Koresh, despite not even being in Waco, is gaining loyalty in the branch. So there's people at the actual Mount Carmel Center that are like, no, no, it's Koresh guy. David needs to come back and meet yeah. us. We like this guy. And George, I guess, is kind of a dickwagon, and he was losing support pretty quickly at that time. So what do you think George does at this point? Alex, what do you think? Joanna, what do you think? I, I think maybe he confronts David. He doesn't. Well, he does, in a manner of speaking. He challenges Koresh to a dead-raising contest. A dead-raising contest? That's right. Contest? Who can raise this dead man? So George Roden exhumed the fucking body illegally. Holy shit, are you serious? <laughs> Not fucking joking. Oh my god. Brings him to the mount, this, this corpse to the Mount Carmel Center, and he's like, Koresh, can you, Go. Can you raise this? Huh? Like, we're all waiting, man. I would be less shocked if they actually like killed a cult member and you know tried to raise it back up than digging up somebody's right? fucking just, corpse. Yeah. Oh yeah, my god. Just, and so imagine he does it, and it's just like, God knows how this fucking corpse right? is. So and like, just drags some, like, you know, the guy's got, like, the cut suit in the back and a tie. I'm just assuming it's a man, but... Probably. They're, I mean... Skin all green and falling off. And, <laughs> That's how it's the zombie apo- apocalypse actually starts. Right. Yeah. Get it. It's like, do you want the zombie apocalypse? Because I think that's how zombie apocalypse starts. Exactly. Like, that's not a good idea, George. Uh, that is not a good idea. Well, I don't know. It doesn't actually say what Koresh does. He doesn't raise the dead guy. But he does this take a, a, an opportunity to get George in trouble with the law. <laughs> like, dude, you just voted him. I got something on you now. So he calls the man, and he's like, hello, the man? And uh, the sheriff's department is like, dude, you need evidence. We're not just going to go up to some fucking compound with a bunch of whack jobs and be like, yo, we heard you got a corpse. I'm not sure how big Waco, Texas is, but I'm sure they don't have or didn't have a giant sheriff's department. Probably, probably not. not. Probably don't still. But it's probably the place where it's like plenty of guys that just they're deputies deputized, so you know they become a posse because it's Texas. Oh yeah. And everyone shooty bang bang. It's mm-hmm. possible. And it was also 1987 yeah. at this point, so, so just... age were a crazy time. Cocaine. Fucking a. So what do you think uh, David Koresh does, Alex? What do you think? Uh, I think he probably pulls his piece and starts letting off shots. What do you think, Joanna? I think he took the corpse down to the sheriff's office. Well, what he actually does is he and seven other guys with guns roll up to the Mount Carmel Center, and they're trying to get photographic evidence of this illegal corpse. Okay. So George sees what's happening and starts shooting. And so they just get in a firefight. Okay, so... so the cops now okay, show so up. Okay, so Alex is right. 
Oh, and now the cops right show up, ish. you know, can't. Now they're like, they hear the, they hear the, you're like, oh, they get a okay. report of a dead body. They're just like, nah. Whatever. They're like, oh, okay, shit. They're actually shooting guns. All right. Yeah, I'm like, fuck, now we gotta go. And George gets shot. Yeah. He just gets raised. It's nothing, it's nothing bad. Uh, so the correction company, they get a charge with attempted murder. And Koresh, his case was declared a mistrial. Like, I guess in, during his trial, he was just spouting off crazy Bible talk and, like, trying to get trying to get George in trouble. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, there's, like, a fuck it mistrial. And it's like, we don't want to listen to this fucking shit. And I guess maybe George was just a really unlikable person. <laughs> I think that was actually a big part of it, too, is that George was just a fucking asshole. This guy really right? is a dick wagon. Jesus Christ. Like... <laughs> Seriously, like, you're going to dig somebody up? I mean, I would love to be, like, a Branch Davidian right there when George comes through the door with a fucking corpse and, like, okay, I'm going to challenge this guy to raise the dead. Like, i just be like, um, dude, I think you've lost your shit a little bit, George. <laughs> like, maybe just a little bit. You're out of your fucking mind. Maybe we shouldn't follow this guy. Right. The rest of Crush's followers were just acquitted. They're like, ah, you guys are cool, whatever. It's Texas. So a couple years go by where also doesn't say really much of what happened. So it's 1989 now. And George murders his roommate, Wayman Dale Adair. Wayman Dale Adair. Oh, wow. And he kills him with an axe to the skull. Jesus Christ. So he probably, you know, had heard about that voodoo murder. Right, right. He's Mm -hmm. all trying to be like Clementine Barnaby and like taking people out with a fucking axe. George was convicted of this. They're like, you did that. Yeah, George does not get acquitted. <laughs> no way. Not even a mistrial. It's like, no, you did this shit. Right. You need to go away, George. Yeah, so they toss him into a mental hospital. Now, he still owes thousands of dollars on the center. And Koresh and his followers raised the money and reclaimed the property. I don't... I mean, again, with the whole money thing. Like, he's flown all over the world. Now he's raising thousands of dollars to get this compound back well maybe he's getting a lot of money back from his followers like that's kind of a thing with a cult a lot of times too is like you become a member if you give them all your possessions you have to like give everything that you own over to the cult yeah maybe there was some sort of some there was something going on but they had they they raised the money now george from the whack job the mental hospital is whack job george whack job george he is filing papers, legal papers, just to fuck with Koresh. Just, I don't even know what kind. Just all kinds of shit. Just whatever. Because he still just has to be a dick. Yeah, he's George. When Koresh moves into Carmel Center, him and all his people move in, because apparently George had been renting the place out. Because when they moved in, he finds a meth lab. Oh, yeah. right. I read something about that. And so he calls the cops and just like, we found a meth lab. You guys can remove, can you guys take care of this? And so the cops came and <laughs> removed the, removed the meth lab. Like, have a nice day. Thanks for the meth lab. Hey, Texas. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> A. In the 80s. Yeah. So it's like that guy was, whoever set that up, they were ahead of the curve. They're like, I bet this, it, man, this, I tell you what, this crystal meth's going to take off. Woo! Really? I know, right? The cops just really hoped that Koresh was wrong and it was actually cocaine. Yeah. They're just like, damn it, it's this fucking crap we keep seeing nowadays. So next year, 1990, Koresh finally decides that Vernon Howell is not working for me. Finally changes his name to Koresh. Now Koresh, to reiterate, is the Hebrew name of Cyrus the Great of Persia, who is Cyrus II. 
He lived from 600 to 530 BC and reigned for 29 to 31 years. He was talked about in the Bible, praised for freeing the slaves, uh, Israelites from the Babylonians, just called Messiah, all that kinds of stuff. And then the first name, David, is from King David of the Bible, killed the Goliath, same line as Jesus. Yeah, let's just say by so taking the name. So he picked a really of, good name. By the taking the name of David Koresh, he was professing himself to be the spiritual descendant of King David, a messianic figure carrying out a divinely commissioned Aaron. Like, jack off. Or maybe yeah. he just knows the importance of a really good name. Yeah. <laughs> Branding. Yep. Okay. It's important. Now, as with King David. He felt that he could have many wives. So he was practicing these things called spiritual weddings, which basically allowed him to fuck any of the God-chosen female followers, no age restrictions. He fathered dozens of children extramaritally. Because he is married at this point. Yeah. Right, him and Rachel. Now, in 1991, something happens. He has another vision or whatever. And he is now convinced that his martyrdom is going to happen in the United States. That the prophecies are going to be fulfilled in Waco, Texas. And the Mount Carmel Center will be the new Davidic kingdom. So things are sort of starting to come to a head, I guess. Because it's, you know... Come to fruition. And... I don't know if he's... Really, this is a plan he's taking. Like a long, drawn-out plan. Or if this is just random ideas. Or... If he's actually got something wrong, had something wrong, and thinks he's talking to God, or God's talking to him. Maybe he really was psychic. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe it was just a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's just yeah. like, yeah, check it out. Could be. Here's Although, all this stuff that's going to go down. It's like, that's it's really specific, even for a prophecy, how... man. Although when you see how, um, well, that's kind of what kept feeding into it too, with like a lot of the branch divinians that didn't want to leave after the shootout and during the siege was because everything he was saying was somehow kind of becoming true in their right. eyes. So they're just like, ah. Uh... So they're just like, oh shit, you know. Um, but the whole thing that kind of starts this is that, like, a UPS guy opens up a pack, like a package is opened up going to the compound and it has uh some kind of like weapons uh some tools that could possibly turn a semi-automatic weapon into a fully automatic weapon and he like reports yeah. this and then there's some reports of hearing automatic weapons fire coming from the compound from time to time but basically they didn't they weren't necessarily stockpiling weapons they would sell them at like gun shows for money yeah and the ATF sent this guy in uh, who went by the name of Rodriguez, like as he went like undercover in yeah. the cult and to find out like, you know, are they really, you know, are they doing all this? Shit are they doing all they this are? shit? Are they turning, you know, or is there illegal weapons upgrades going on? And the guy didn't even find any evidence of it, but they just actually just finally get a warrant just based on the fact that some of the items that, they had purchased could possibly yeah in theory turn an automatic a semi-automatic weapon in like an ar-15 into a fully automatic well before that the cps had actually come to check out well the thing with the kids in, yeah. in 1992 they came out there and what, what happened was koresh convinced his wife's parents that 
it was time for him to get with his wife's younger sister, who was like 13 at the time. His parents were like, fucking thumbs up, let's do it. And so they had, they did a spiritual wedding thing. Mm -hmm. So CPS comes out, check this shit out. They heard it somehow, probably from a a member who was like, this guy's a fucking wag job, I'm out. But they couldn't find any evidence. And that was because the branch members there were concealing the evidence. They found some other person that was supposed to be with Michelle. And so Michelle was, was the... Was the little sister? The sister's name, yeah. And so they found, you know, someone else to be her husband. And so CPS was like, oh, no, it's all in the up and up. A little bit crazy, but nice people. Right. Now, in 93, that's when the ATF goes in. Yeah. And so they sent the guy, Rodriguez, in. They could have gotten Koresh any time they wanted. Oh, yeah. They could have gone when he went to town. They could have gotten when he was jogging because he jogged outside the compound. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. They didn't. They they, they felt they needed to arrest him near the weapons to win a court case. Yeah, and, you know, this is just what kicks off just a whole lot of fucked up shit, and this is mostly the fault of the federal government, in my opinion. I mean, the ATF fucked up big time. Right, the, F- the ATF goes in on February 28th, 1993. 28th. To serve an arrest warrant. And they've got 76 armed agents in there. And they do what they call a dynamic entry. They think that this is going to be the best way to approach uh, this, you know, charge, this alleged charge of possibly modifying a few weapons. You're just going to kick in the door on illegal weapons. Maybe, maybe try the weapon first. Right. Or like one of those bullhorn things, like, you know, we're here with a warrant. Something. Come out with your hands up, David Koresh. So they bust in. And they've got a bunch of dividends around with weapons. A shot is heard someplace. They're not, they don't really know where it came from. Uh, Who shot they, first kind of thing. That's could have been in the ATF, uh, an agent just slipped or was nervous. It could have been someone inside the compound. Shit, it could have been something completely different on the other side of the compound. They could have been, you know, uh, target practice or some shit like that. But... Instead of trying to see what happened, they instead just sort of hoping they start, start shooting, shooting each other. Fucking shooting. Uh, kills six Davidians and twenty uh, and four agents. Twenty-four agents are, are hurt, and at least one of the Davidians are hurt. And da- well, David Koresh is one of the ones he got hit in the hip and the wrist when he opened the door. Yeah, and he was like, he basically opens the door, and this guy Perry Jones was right next to him. And as soon as he pokes his head out and he starts calling out to them like, hey, there's women and children in here. And they just shoot him. They shoot him in the wrist and they shoot this guy, Perry Jones, in the stomach and he dies. So he's one of the... Um, one of the four that got... Or one of the six that got... Yeah, one of the six that got killed. And uh, later that night, um, I don't know if they include that, but this guy, Michael Schroeder, and two other people are returning to the compound. And somehow Michael Schroeder gets shot and killed like seven bullet wounds and they say that he was the one who was armed and you know there's like dozens of them still there at that point because of course after this shootout which actually is still the uh longest shootout in american law enforcement history that's great yeah but after the shootout of course there's still tons of agents on scene and these guys are walking back to the compound and they seem (laughs) to feel like he's a threat (laughs) like there's a ton of them he gets shot like in, I think he got shot at least one in the in the head and uh, two shots in other places, but he had four shots in his back. So, yeah, that's just, you know. He was, just, he was shooting behind him. He just 
turn around. Right. Yeah, the old over the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Allegedly, at this point time too, or right around when all of this happened, Koresh had believed they'd opened the fifth seal of revelations, and it was time to kill God's faithful. Now that's all alleged information. That's right. And probably the federal government's kind of like Babylon, and they're coming to right, fulfill right. the prophecy and all that stuff. I wanted to add also, though, that they had the ATF. So I saw, watched this documentary and see footage of the shootouts. And let me tell you, I do not have any doubts that I think it was the ATF who fired first, either by accident or not. I mean, you talk about a bunch of guys that were just power hungry, ready to jump all over this guy, you know, just wanted to make a big show of power on some, you know, what essentially is like a very unproven weapons charge. It's not even like, oh, we suspect you killed people. It's like, no, we think you might be possibly modifying weapons. Yeah. And we know you sell them at gun shows and have lots of legal paperwork and everything, so you're pretty much on the up and up, but you might still have done something yeah. kind of illegal. Well, illegal, but still not... You know, this is not something where, like, they pose... You, people think that they pose a threat to them. It's not like people around the compound are like, oh, man, I'm scared of those guys, and... Yeah, so basically kind of a peaceful group of people, but I think our government has a huge problem with uh, anybody who lives, uh, who has like separatist beliefs and lives a separatist lifestyle, number one. And I don't know. I saw the I saw the footage and they just did not know what the fuck they were doing. Like they just went in all gangbusters. Something happens, something goes wrong, shootout begins, and then they were just totally falling apart, and it was it was some craziness, but I think it was just completely mishandled by the ATF. Probably one of the reasons the FBI took over. I know Probably. they took over also because since federal agents had been killed, that's now their jurisdiction. Right, they have to. And this is not the first time the ATF fucked up big time in this way either. This, this just a year was, before, uh, there was Ruby Ridge. Yeah, Ruby Ridge. And again... The guy clusterfuck. got, yeah, the guy, um, Weaver, he got caught selling two sawed-off shotguns and did a failure to appear in court, was up at his house, and it just turns into, like, this fucking, like, 11-day standoff, and his wife fucking gets killed, and his 14-year-old son gets killed, and it's all because the ATF decided to, like, you know, charge up dozens of, uh, well, maybe not dozens at the time, but a lot of yeah. them, and try and make a big show again and act like real tough guys and just end up totally fucking the pooch on that botching one. Botching the fucking job. It's ridiculous. So the FBI doesn't want to botch the job. So they get some people to talk to about what's going on in here. They get some psychiatrists from the Baylor College of Medicine. Uh, they say the children in the compound were being physically and mentally abused. But that's kind of bullshit because... It ends up being fake. It know. is fake, and not only that... The federal government doesn't have jurisdiction over child welfare. That is a state issue. Like before when CPS came, those that's a fucking state. Oh, right, they, right. Yeah. Federal government doesn't have anything to do with, like, child welfare. It was proven that that was a, a, a false report. Not the report was false, but it was just, it was just wrong. Like, maybe not intentionally false, but, but wrong. They also had some experts on religious movements, like destructive cults. They warned that the likelihood of mass murder and suicide was almost 100% should aggressive action be taken. So that maybe they should not be aggressive. Yeah, maybe they should take a fucking door in calm down. Proceed with caution. These people are probably going to die, and it's probably going to be by their own hands if you really push them. 
He also consulted a number of other psychiatrists who didn't really have any experience with cults. And they said that, you know, death, not a lot of, no no real chance of anything bad happening. They're probably not going to be a major loss of life. Don't worry about it. Where the fuck do these psychiatrists get their goddamn degree? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> they also consulted members of anti-cult movements, uh, which have at this point been largely discredited, uh, discredited in North America. So I wonder why. Maybe because they weren't fucking helpful at all. Yeah, but guess who the FBI listened to? Stupid people? Not the experts on religious movements and destructive cults. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Not the people that were just like, yeah, be really careful because the likelihood that they're going to kill themselves or other people is high. Yes, yes. They didn't listen to those people. Listen to the people that were like, ah, well, I think there was kind fine. of, I think in the FBI there was kind of contention too because there was basically, there's basically like the hostage negotiation team. Yeah. And they're the ones that are probably listening more and trying to, you know, have a peaceful resolution. And then there's the hostage rescue team known as HRT. And this is where all the fucking sniper, you know, this consists of all the fucking snipers and shit in yeah. the FBI. And these are the ones that are pushing to, you know. We got to go in. Right. They are for, they want to force a conclusion, basically. Well, they're only allowed to stay for in whatever so way long they until can. they have to go through a refresher training. And if there's not another team on hand that's got up-to-date training, then there's no team to be there. So it's getting down to be that point. And God forbid there shouldn't be a team there. Oh, no. They, this will be resolved quickly, they thought. Crush actually offers to surrender. But he wants he'll only surrender if his sermon is um, broadcast nationally. So they do play it over a local evangelical Christian radio station. And the CBN network on March second. Yeah, that's um, that's what uh, the road trip that I mentioned earlier before we were recording that uh. Oh, your family road yeah, trip. Yeah, we ran into people that were from Waco, Texas, and you know they talked about like the demands that he wants his sermon played on on the radio, and we're like, okay, well here here you go, like. Come on, give it a shot. Let's is this his like white this tank up, top? Is this know? like his wife beater aviator glasses sermon? I wonder. Well, it was. I'm not sure if it was actually a video one. He does have some video ones though that come out during the siege. It was hard to get your laundry clean, so he had to wear the wife beater. Right. Well, yeah, because they shut off all their fucking water. Right. They shut off their water and their fucking power. So he, they, they did this. They broadcasted his prayer. And then God told him, no, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't surrender quite yet, or so he claims. Yeah. During this time, Koresh also wanted to speak with biblical scholars, and two of them actually offered to talk to him, but the FBI were like, nah, nah, that's not, don't worry about it, no. That's not going to be productive. So a bit later, in April, April 14th, Koresh promises to surrender again, and I guess there's been lots of times in between these two times that he's been asking to surrender and he's like, no, 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 just kidding, just kidding. The Lord said no. No. I asked him again, and this time he said no. Right at the last minute, I'm sorry. So this time, he's like, if you just let me write down, write a book, then, you know, that's that's it. Like, God wants me to write this book. And it's the explanation of the seven seals of Revelation. Well, he just feels like he has more to do before he gets arrested and brought in on 
charges of uh, murder and conspiracy to commit murder. You know, that's what they did. Weapons manufacturing and... uh, Yeah, like the second this standoff shit happens, basically every single person who is currently at Branch Davidian is then charged with murder and conspiracy to commit murder of a federal agent, no less. That's going to carry some big prison sentences i'm sure they're probably like oh you know we could probably you know just go ahead and throw on some molestation charges too while we're at it right we're here we've we've heard some things dave but the thing is is that every there were um a few adults and several children that did come out afterwards like during the siege and what happened was you know any adult was immediately taken arrested and taken into custody and then the children were sent to social services state of texas um put in foster care and social services actually made a statement though saying that all the children seemed very well cared for and yeah didn't seem to be victims of abuse so i think a lot of the i mean i i get the the underage marrying girl thing like totally not cool that is not legit at all in my mind but i think but there was only one confirmed case of that Right. That was with Ma- with and then Michelle, I, his, his wife's sister. Right, and I think, but in general, though, I think, like, the children there were not being subject to abuse, and they were actually mm. well-loved and ta- well taken care of. But imagine that, though. It's like you know that if you surrender the second you get out there, this is what's happened to the people who have already left. Their yeah. children are immediately Just taken away from them. They're off uh, to federal prison, basically. So, like, I can yeah. like, what do you do in that situation? Not only that, but Koresh had these people convinced that this is the fucking end of days. Right. As the branch, they were going to play a major role in this. They, Koresh was going to break the seven seals from Revelations 5-2, which is from the King's James Bible. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And that's some... Bible verse. So yeah, well that's 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 the Bible verse, the Revelation Bible Bible verse. So this was like, you know, the end of days shit that was happening. You open the seven seals and then fucking monstery stuff happens. Monstery stuff. It's it's you know not the zombie apocalypse, but the the biblical apocalypse. Revelation is a wacky book. Yeah. So really, to believe any of that, how does it written? Revelations. Oh, I can't remember one of the prophets. Some guy. Some, some guy, some dead some dude. Some guy. Some crazy guy. Probably. So, anyway, yeah, he says, give me time to write this book, I'm going to explain the seven seals of Revelation, we're going to, everything's going to be cool, whatever. And so, he completed the first seal in five days, that which was April 19th, 1993. So this is... This is the day it goes down. 6 a.m., two incendiary tear gas grenades are fired at a concrete bunker and go out in public. Around noon, that's when the tanks punch holes in the walls to inject the tear gas. Also when all the fires start. It's possible, pretty likely, the Davidians started the, the fires. Fires combine. Everything just it's a fucking, fucking burns to shit. Only eight followers escape. Most of them with severe burns. One had the floppy disk that had the book on it. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, the book was saved. Good. Yeah, thank, thank fucking mm. Christ. Floppy disk. So Koresh, about 75 or so of his followers, including 21 children, are all dead. Koresh 
apparently shot himself. There's people with stab wounds, gunshots, smoke and fire. Most of the people who escaped were volu- convicted of voluntary manslaughter and firearms, and a couple of them just got arms arms charges. Right. Of, of all of them that left before and escaped the uh, the fire, they were all like acquitted on the murder and conspiracy to commit murder, but a lot of them got really heavy-duty uh, sentences on the weapons charges. Oh, and yeah, the thing I show. feel like really sucks is like you don't even know who the fuck was shooting that first day with the ATF, but you're going to convict every single person of illegally having weapons. I mean... It's like, oh, hey, we all live in the same house, but, you know, like, oh, like, the three of us, like, say we all live in the same house, but Alex here has some fucking illegal gun. God damn it, Alex. Fucking Alex. You and your illegal fucking weapons. Feds bust in, but, like, suddenly me and Nate have to go to jail because you have a fucking gun you're not supposed to? He's fucking dead. Ideally, yeah. Shot, and he's dead, we still have to go to jail for that shit. Right. That seems kind of what's being applied here. It didn't... Uh, seem altogether fair and then of course I'm not 100% convinced that everybody in there killed themselves I, I, a lot of it was smoke and fire well they're saying uh, this according to the FBI his right hand dude they're saying that's the guy that killed Koresh oh Steve Snyder yeah. oh so there's another one where, where he killed Koresh and then killed himself yeah Probably realized he was dealing with the fraud, shot and killed Koresh, and then committed suicide with the same gun. But how the fuck do they know that? I mean, where does that narrative come from? Right, especially since they weren't all very good about doing uh, thorough autopsies and ballistic reports. Maybe they actually have someone who can raise the dead, and they just fucking... (laughs) Yeah, see? Like, so what's the deal? It's like, oh yeah, no. I mean, it's definitely questionable. Like, a lot of the FBI's uh, moves at that point. First of all, I oh, mean, yeah. the whole hostage negotiation, you cut off the water supply, you cut off the power. There's still, there's 22 children in that building and like, oh, this is a great idea. And let's play music 24-7. Yeah, yes. they play music 24-7 and then One song, I think it was Nancy Sinatra's These Boots Are Made For Walking. Right, yeah. and then other over like, and over and over again. That would make anybody crazy. You couldn't see crazy. me, but I just did the he, he did the gun to like the head, blowing his head himself. off gesture. But not only that, but, you know, and then, yeah, everyone that's coming out is getting arrested and their kids ripped away from them. And I don't know, it just seems to me like that should be like hostage negotiation, like 101, is that you don't eliminate options for people. Right. You don't, that's not the way to get people to like come out of their own volition and you know, by basically not even giving them a chance or at least lying to them and saying they're going to have a chance. I mean, right, right, they were yeah. they were pretty hardcore from the start. And it's like, yeah, give yourselves up, but, you know, nothing good's going to come of it. Now, there were, the Koresh did imply during phone conversations with the FBI that he did have the illegal firearms. That's not much of an excuse to go in guns a-blazing. Like yeah. Right. He knew he had the illegal firearms. And they actually... They did recover some weapons after the the fire went out, and there's four live grenades, six grenade launchers, 48 illegal automatic weapons, and 151 illegal weapons. Shitloads of bullets and grenades were just set off and destroyed during the fire. 
a later excavation pulled up three quarters of a million bullet casings. Damn. Eighteen thousand bullet casings. That is a hell of a stockpile. Fucking hell. Yeah, just casings though, as if they've been fired or. Well, it, if if he gets into a fire. Then it's, gonna, it's all gonna go off. Gonna okay, go off I get like what you're saying. Because I was like, I I'm not aware of a whole lot of gunfire going on. Uh, not you know the ATF standoff, yes, but right. the FBI one, not a lot of that stuff going on. And okay, so first of all, they handled the hostage negotiation completely the wrong way. They're not appealing to how people are really feeling, and you know, listening to the experts. Uh, when you're trying to when you're dealing with somebody that is really like you know really believes in what they're doing as opposed to trying to deal with somebody who's just taken hostages like as like a last resort because you're robbing a yeah. fucking bank or something yeah just because it's just like oh shit like shit got rough and mm-hmm. i'm gonna rob you but now yeah but now your guys are hostages and now you're trying to, no 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 god told me to take you hostage well i don't think he was even taking any right and they're voluntarily but but you have god wants me to be here and you are babylon and i'm not going to listen to what you say because i believe in a higher power kind of you know like you're dealing with that kind of like fanatical yeah uh, mindset too so so you know you need to take a much different approach and definitely need to keep uh options open and not just you know, you're talking about people that with families and children, and like I said, I mean, I I would not know what to do if I were a parent in there. Like, should I just ride it out with David, or do I go out and have my kid ripped from my arms and go off to prison while they get, become a ward of the state? You know, godless people, probably in my opinion, since you know I'm pretty into <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that it's probably very terrifying a lot of the for them. People were sticking around because of the whole like it's the end of days and he knows because he's been writing these and a lot of these other things. Now he was wrong in a bunch of parts. Like they were fully expecting the government to come. They were like 100%. They're like, no, no, the government's going to come and they're going to fucking fuck our shit up or they're going to try to like, they were expecting that they were expecting it in 1995, not 1993. They also expected tanks and fire when the ATF first showed up. They're like, Nope, this is, this is happening. And, it didn't at that point. They also believed they would be transported to Jerusalem for the final battle, which didn't like, um, so much happen. Like a portal? Like, I, they didn't, they didn't actually say. Or... They, didn't, they didn't say how they were going to get there. They just expected that they were going to get They're there. It was just going to happen. It's just like, just, oh, okay. Were, it was going to happen. So we close our eyes maybe, and just imagine. Maybe just tap your heels together and it'll take us back to the promised land. Well, I read somewhere, too, that also part of the prophecy was that a wall of fire was going to protect them. Maybe that was the fire and, they were expecting? Yeah, and the FBI had bugs planted there, and you, I watched in a couple of different documentaries uh, some of the transcripts of them, and they're talking about, like, no, like, pour the stuff outside, not inside, but they're clearly prepping to set a fire. Burn when, the walls, yeah. Right, when when the shit goes down. And so, again, the FBI knows this, that they this might possibly happen, and, and decides to just, to just go in gangbusters yeah, just, anyway. Woo. And who the fuck decided, like, oh, uh, they just determined that the CS uh, gas that they were going to use was going to be, like, non-lethal to the children. It's like, you're going to gas children, and you actually... 
no, think no, that no, like that's cool. going you know, that's gonna be good. No one else will kill him. Right. Yeah. Like how the fuck do you know um what kind of ga- you know, how much uh tear gas a child can be exposed to before it becomes like deadly. Oh, I'm sure they've tested that. Yeah. <laughs> On actual children. I would, oh, like... I would be surprised if they hadn't. When they first came out with tear gas, like, oh yeah, put it on little Billy here. Right. Psh. Oh, that was too much. Yeah, MK Ultra again. Mm-hmm. See, that's kind of what I thought. Like, maybe this is some sort of like MK Ultra thing. You know, MK Ultra is it was an. I mean, it's it's not just a conspiracy thing. It actually happened. Right. There's actual where the CIA was doing, doing all kinds of fucked up fucked shit, up shit to, to people control people control their minds like drugging them with a shitload of drugs and abusing them physically and mentally and sexually and just doing all kinds of fucked up shit so i was thinking like you know just fucked up shit just severely fucked up shit shit. although if you want my opinion i think it's just the federal government being total dickwads maybe or you know uh, like mk ultra sort of it's like the manchurian candidate you know where you can like implant something so deep in someone's mind that they don't know they don't know and then and then like bam, they assassinate whoever. Whoever. So I was thinking, like maybe that, maybe the government was sending David Koresh around for a few years, and he was going all over the place, getting people for the branch. Maybe it was like an undercover deal the government was doing, but maybe maybe Koresh got out of control, and that's why they had to take him out. Maybe. Maybe. Hmm. I mean, that's I don't really have any. Well, people that I think that like, like have to be the leader are generally not cooperative, in my experience. Like, look at fucking Charlie Manson. Right. You know, <laughs> he was not going to listen to you know the Beach Boys on how to make his fucking music. Well, that's true. So maybe it was the same with David Koresh. He was just like, uh, "Fuck you guys, I'm going home to my compound with maybe. my underage wives." <laughs> So it could have been, I mean, maybe it was an Ultra thing, maybe it was just some whack job trying to go to heaven. Maybe he actually really thought all the stuff that he told these people. Maybe he I'm thinking that that's probably the case, you know, like, like he actually that he actually, actually believed it. Like, like 100% enough to die for it. Yeah. And it's unusual these days because there's so many people that claim to be like Christian and religious, but it's like how many people these days really are willing to die for their beliefs? Right. Like way back in the day, I mean, shit, people would get like burned alive rather than deny Christ. Right. You know, that was hardcore shit and that was kind of the norm. And now, you know, as we've all gotten softer and more comfortable in our living situations and things become more acceptable Lots more gray areas when things used to be that black and white. Now, I can't think of one person that I know that would, like, you know, burn to death rather than deny Christ. Yeah. Or anybody that they believed in. I mean, I would do it in a fucking second. I'd be like, oh, yeah. Jesus was a fake. Jesus? What? I don't know that guy. (laughs) I would say anything in the world to, like, not get burned alive, basically. Just like, uh, no. No, thank you. Yeah. Like, no, I'm cool. I don't need to worship that anymore, like, yeah. at all. Like, fuck that guy. <laughs> not doing that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, that's fine sure. with, Fine by me. Just don't fucking kill me, please. So it's it's weird for people, I guess, to, the, to see people with that much belief that they're going to be willing to die for it. That's, yeah, that's very true. I I don't really know that many people who are over, overly religious like that. I mean, just... Like, yeah, even so, like, overly I... religious standards, it's, it's pretty yeah. hardcore. 
Now, the FBI did think they were helping the children, and that's actually what got uh, the attorney They were helping general. the children by gassing them. <laughs> yeah. They gassed, you know, they, when all that stuff started going down, they put the children, like, well, they called it a bunker, but it was like a vault, a steel vault that they had uh, used for, like, the church records. So they put all the kids and most of the women into this vault, and then they fired tear gas in that vault for, like, two fucking hours. Well, that's what got the attorney general to let them go and actually, like, raid the place, was that, with the, with the child thing. They they stressed that... Or maybe she also wanted to, like, show that she had some balls, since she was, like, the first woman attorney general. That I mean, could have been it, Janet but... Reno, I think, is a little bit, was a little bit ruthless. Uh, Bill Clinton is quoted as saying that she was the worst mistake I ever made. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a little willy to say that. Come on. Right. Right. And, you know, there's a, oh, it's for the children. That's why I authorized the use of CS gas. Yeah. That's looking out for the kids. Big time. Especially since uh, some of them, they think, actually died as a result of the gas in- inhalation. When it's um, it, when it burns, it actually becomes like cyanide. Yeah. Isn't, yes. Isn't that the one that suffocates your cells? Yes. And That's a lot of them, a lot of the, chil- the little babies and children, you know, found burned in that bunker, were kind of in this death spasm. So they had asphyxiated. First. Yeah, they had asphyxiated. And not just like you can't breathe, but you can breathe. No, but neither can any of your cells in your whole body. So it's a pretty horrendous way to suffocate. One branch davidian that was there and lived through it they had gas masks but eventually the filters ran out on them oh yeah and it still affects your skin and he said it was like when the filter ran out and it got on your skin it, he said it felt like you were being burnt with acid and those babies and children didn't even have gas masks and they were not in an unventilated space so there is no doubt that despite what they say their intentions were those babies <laughs> were tortured for hours before they eventually died at the hands of the FBI. And so uh, what do you think? Do you think that the government, the ATF, and the FBI got the book thrown at them, they got in trouble, there was fines and regulations and whatever the fuck else they do? To... Uh, no. Yeah, I no. mean, no? multiple congressional hearings still basically gave everyone a walk on it. U.S. government was not blamed for the deaths. ATF were not responsible for provoking the standoff, and the FBI agents were not to blame for starting or contributing to the fatal fire. And they say that no FBI agents fired, even though yeah. there's that there's that there questionable Night Stalker um, recording that may or may not show the feds firing. One thing they did find there was three positions for the HRT snipers. They were called Sierra One, Sierra Two, Sierra Three. And they did find four shell casings in the Sierra One's position. So the sniper did shoot four times. The sniper did shoot four times. And guess who the fucking sniper was? Uh, So this guy, Charles Riley, heard this guy firing his rifle. He later retracted the statement. But the guy he supposedly heard firing his rifle, who was the head of the Sierra One post, is a guy named Lon, Lon Hariuchi. Horiuchi. And he just happens to be the guy who killed Vicky Weaver at Ruby Ridge. Yeah. Shot and killed her in shot her in the head while she was holding her 10-month-old baby. 
thought it was a deadly weapon. Yeah. And right, and you know, the, back to that whole Ruby Ridge thing, like they had authorized um, rules of engagement or something like that, where basically if a male is seen with a weapon in his hand, you can use deadly force, whether he's shooting at you or not. And there is eleven HRT agent snipers surrounding the Ruby Ridge home, surrounding Weaver's home. So Weaver comes out with his daughter. Like his son has already been killed, like ten days earlier, or yeah. six days earlier, or whatever. And he went to go see his son, who was like in their shed, his body. And so he goes out and he goes to open this door. And he did have a rifle in his hand. He set his rifle down. He went to take the latch off, and he gets shot through the hand. And it's this guy, Lon, who shoots him. So he and the family friend, this guy Mark Harris, and his daughter go running back to the house. And the mom is basically standing there holding the door open for them to come back in. And she gets shot through the head holding their 10-month-old daughter. And then the, the bullet goes through her head and then injures this other guy, uh, Mark Harris. But of the 11 snipers that were surrounding the place, he's the only one who shot his gun. He's the only one who's like, oh, I see him. He's got a gun. There he is. Pow. Pow. You know, oh, look, they're running to get back inside. You know, pow. pow. Like, oh, shot the wife. Whoops. Because they didn't have any sort of, like, video sniper rifles or anything then, or any sort of high-tech video, really, so they couldn't. Right. It was his word basically against anybody's, right? Right. Well, and that, that you know, the he was, the state of Idaho had actually charged him with manslaughter, but... You know, he was found, like, not guilty, and the charges were dropped, I think, eventually, just because it's like, well, this is, he was following orders. Like, they said that, you know, if it was within his sights, like, a man with a gun, yeah. he had the right to shoot him and use deadly force. Nobody else chose to use deadly force, mind you. He was the only one, but yeah. still, he was authorized to do so. So, whatever. So, seven months later, Jeez. guess who's leading... The Sierra One outfit for Waco. Perfect guy. Yeah. Good old Lon Hariuchi. And, yeah, so it's his sniper position. They find the four spent shell casings. And this guy, Charles Riley, says that it was him who shot his rifle. But then he later retracts it. So, of course, nothing happens to old Lon. Maybe he's still serving. Maybe he's retired. But, but that's kind of an interesting coincidence. This guy, I think, was a little bit trigger happy. It's possible. Maybe he was just good at the job they paid him to do. Could be, but, you know, when you're the only one who fires your weapon... Maybe that's the job they paid him to do. It could be. I guess so. I guess you're right about that. Now, both of these incidents were things that were cited by the Oklahoma City bomber as reasons to... Tim McVeigh. And he actually, yeah, like, specifically, like, Nichols. would send death threats to this Lon Hariuchi guy. Before he decided to just bomb a fucking building with kids in it. Like, great job, Tim McVeigh. But it was, yeah, time to coincide with the second anniversary of the Waco assault. Yeah, it was two years to the day that Tim McVeigh blew up the fucking building in Oklahoma City. Killed 160 people. So it was April 19th, 1995. Yes. Yes, but, yeah, there's a lot of things that the FBI said they, they didn't do, which later turns out that maybe they did. Yeah, maybe they were shooting into the burning building. There's some footage there of possibly, like, the fire is burning and people might be trying to get out. There were several people that had way more than one bullet wound. There was a guy that had several bullet wounds, and it looks like his half his body had been torn away by a tank. 
So tanks, tanks make those clearly easy. it seems as though maybe some people were trying to escape and they were being shot at as they were trying to get out of the burning building. So this is why I don't buy the whole, you know, they stayed and burned to death of their own volition. Right. Thing. I don't think, yeah, it seems like a hard thing to do just to stay and burn. Just be like, yeah. Well, I, guess, I guess I'll just burn to death. Yeah. Right. Now, you know, obviously, having sex with children is not cool. Not cool it's at not all. Stuff, really. So there wasn't a lot of evidence of that in this whole thing. I can imagine. And I think what there was was probably, I mean, I don't want to, you know, say like stuff with, like when it comes to like assault is like blown up because like any assault is fucked up. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like not necessarily like blowing it up out of proportion, but I I think they took that the opportunity for, you know, it was something they could put, you know, be like under the guise of of just like, well, they're doing this. Right. Right. Use it as kind of an excuse. to Regardless of the fact that there's no proof, like a lot of the children that they they brought out where they were like, oh, he touched you here, right? Like, just totally led the children on. Like, right. No. That's, which is why all of the reports of the, the didn't happen. child molestation was were pretty much kicked out because, like, well, you, there's studies that show, like, there was a study in, done out of New Zealand where a man in a, with, with 30 different kids was doing things, not gross things. They had it all videotaped. And a certain percentage of the children, a large percentage of the children would say that, oh, yeah, I was after a few times of asking what happened, oh, yeah, he touched me in the butt, or, you know, yeah, he touched me there on the bear, or, you know, whatever. And so even though they knew this didn't happen, it was just the nature of children. It's like, show me where he touched you, and you, like, glance your eyes down at, like, the crotch area, you know, like, mm, over then, there. Yeah, like, maybe uh, here? here? Okay. Now, there was a girl that, at a congressional hearing in 1995, said that, Rush forced her into sex when she was at beginning when she was age 10 and she was pretty much the only one that came out and said that for some reason they don't say that was a definite so there must have been something with that that they thought she was bullshitting or something so because Michelle was the only one that's been confirmed right and there's like so many other things it's like you know yeah, you can't weapons. I mean, 48 illegal automatic weapons on top of like the 151 legal ones, plus like grenades and grenades. But you know, you get more money for the illegal weapons. They had a cash flow issue and again... They just bought the complex back. Koresh needed to go and, you know, recruit. Again, was this really necessary though? Like the, how they even started the whole thing off? They could have just served him with an arrest warrant at any time. Mm-hmm. They did not there have to have, like, just... 74 agents come in gangbusters. And, you know, that whole first standoff where allegedly he opened the door and they just shoot him. Um, that They taped a lot of it. Like, there's, ta- there's at least, like, four different recordings of what was going on because they're recording it. And then I think uh, the news was also there because uh, they'd kind of tipped him off that they were coming. So... The, but the actual recording of when they shot him through the door, when he opens the door and they shot him, missing. Oh, of course. And nah. he, he was like, Oops. show me, you know, just watch the recording and just see that it didn't happen that way, that I answered the door and said there's women and children in here, and they basically shot me and my friend Perry. And he's like, I saw them recording directly across the street from where this door was, and, yeah, the door is missing. They never found the door. 
because it was taken as evidence, I guess, after the fire, because it was like a steel fucking door. Yeah. And they had one side of the door, but not the other side, not the side that he would have answered that the that bullet he would have holes. Opened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Somehow that went up missing. Yeah. Somehow oh, they yeah, said that no, they that didn't use. Um, just must have put it close, too close to a magnet. Don't got that tape. Right. And then um, there was actual uh, surveillance logs and. Yeah, surveillance logs were found to be missing straight up ripped out. Of like the notepad that they uh, use because you know it's still 1993. Not everything. Right, so just grabbing it and pulling. Right, ripping the pages out. Oh, just toss those in the fire. There's a lot of fire here. Yeah, we'll just right. Go ahead and. Also, they weren't supposed to be using pyrotechnic canisters of that CS gas that they you know gassed all the adults and the children with, but they found three canisters of pyrotechnic. Like the shell. Like oh yeah, well, two of them went out in a fucking puddle after they, the first two they shot at six. Right. The puddle. Right, but they claimed that they didn't use any, and then six years later, six years later, it's like, oh well, yeah, maybe Whoops. we did, maybe we did do lose use a few. I'm I'm convinced that some people that it was like each one of the ones that were used was uh, also at the point of uh, that the starting point of each of these fires, but. I'm not 100%. I think that's bullshit. There was too right. many fires to start. I think they, you know, yeah. obviously they lied about not using the pyrotechnic so maybe, maybe gas like uh, canisters, but one I... One or two of them, like, I could see that, but I mean, like, you know, when you say they're prepping for this whole fire thing... Right. Gotta, you know, probably have a lot of, you know, flammable material around, like, oh, maybe shouldn't have left it near the window. Well, the kerosene... Yeah. Well, that, but they were also using kerosene lamps because they had no fucking power. And then you go bulldozing yeah. through the goddamn walls and start knocking shit over. Smart. Yeah. Smart. But I still, I still. I don't think that really Koresh was a was a great dude. No. He had a history of knocking up, you know, underage girls. And I just anyone who's gonna take control of people in this manner, I just. Leaves a bad taste in my mouth. It's just, it's just fucked up. Yeah, definitely, definitely. He obviously wanted power. Yes, clearly. Well, you know, if you want, if you becoming a cult leader is kind of a power move. There, yeah, you I know, mean... like. But then the government also didn't really handle it really. I think very the well. government no. fucked it up so badly, and that twenty-two kids died because of how badly the government fucked it up. Could you imagine something like this happening today? It would be fucking crazy. There would be footage everywhere. Well, not even, but not that, but I mean, just uh, the other side of that, though. Like, you'd have the people, the the crisis actors, false flag people talking about this, you know, and Mm -hmm. using it to spin their shit. Like, it's just... It would all come down to gun control. Yeah. That's that's what it would be. It would. It really would. Uh, Here, gun control wasn't even the issue per se it was uh it wasn't a, a false flag thing i mean this is all shit that really happened right yeah. like you you can find pictures of the same people who were the in, in the branch and you know the people that are now like you know singing christmas carols something like that. you don't see pictures of these no. people anywhere there's people that are still alive that were involved in all of this right and so a lot of these people still believe in david koresh and they still believe that He's going to reincarnate, or there's going to be another version of him coming out, and they're just waiting for it. Well, wouldn't you... How deep he got into these people. Vernon 2, the sequel. (laughs) 
I think some of that might be like you feel like you have to because I mean you go through all that shit. You probably lost it's probably about all you family. Got. There's this one guy, Clive Doyle, I think. He was one of the guys who gave eyewitness account, and his 18 year old daughter was killed, and he still believes, and he says it's because you know he has to believe that he's going to see his daughter again one day. Like, he can't just, like, give it up now because then it kind of would have all been for nothing. And then maybe he's going to fear he's not going to see her again when he dies. And so just, you know, that's big for people. Yeah. It's a fucked up, sad situation. It's very sad. It could have been a... Well, maybe Koresh would have come out after he finished his fucking book. Maybe he would have. I mean, he would have gone to jail. But if he's willing to die for his beliefs, why wouldn't he be willing to go to jail for his beliefs? And I think they should have handled the thing with the kids much better i think if they had offered something as like you know if the mom comes out with the kids we're not going to take your kids away from you if you come out you know we're gonna we will fully investigate this before any move is made with child services yeah. you know like maybe we'll we'll have to interview your kid or something but well, yeah it's kind of a different time though i mean we're these days everything's way more politically correct, way more streamlined. Here's the thing we do. We've got all this stuff, blah blah. blah. And most of the time, that fucking annoys the shit out of me. But sometimes I think, you know, like in a case like this, it's actually like a and good maybe thing it would because have saved eighty people from having horrendously right. fucked up deaths. Right. Yeah. Just maybe. Instead of just being like, oh, like fuck all this, like we're just gonna fucking go in there and you know. What? what I mean, the the way they were so cocky, some of these guys, about like, oh, well, luckily no FBI agents were killed, you know, and just, oh, it, it was so bad. It was so bad how Texas. cocky they were, yeah, about this. Texas, man. Oh, federal <laughs> government, man. I mean, they were just... Federal government in Texas, mm-hmm. man. <laughs> they were very cocky about it and very like, no, we're not responsible at all. It's all David Koresh's <laughs> fault. And, you know, we hey, we figured once we started gassing everyone that the moms would come out with their children. Yeah. Despite the fact that there's reports that people are being shot at when they try to leave. Uh, and that people had been shot outside. I mean, think of, yeah. think of that guy. Think of that guy coming back, Michael Schroeder. You know, he's just, just coming like, back to the compound. Hey, what the and, you hell's know. going on here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, that would probably make me lose a little confidence that I was going to get out of there right. with my life. And, yeah, they just... They really just fucked this whole thing up really, really bad. So you got anything else for us today, Joanna? Uh, no, just that I I do believe that the Branch Davidians probably were the ones that started the fire, whether it was, like, let's light the protection fe- fire, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, I mean, that are, could have been, too, yeah. like, that I mean, could, and this, someone They were going to be shielded up. by a wall of fire, and that just went horribly wrong because it was, like, the windiest day of the year and the fire spread everywhere in minutes no i mean yeah, it was just... it was just an inferno it's crazy when you see that but it's just oh terrible so like yeah let's light the protection fire but you know Whoops. again the fbi is the one who you know pushed the limits and forced their hand and they should have they should have realized that when you force somebody's hand in a position like this people are going to fucking die and that's exactly what happened they should have listened to the people who ended up being right which would be you know the, the people who the people that were you know experts on that particular field exactly. right <laughs> what about you alex do you have anything you'd like to add or anything else you have to say um no pretty much all been yeah said. it's you know, shit was fucked up just on all aspects of it, you know. Don't join cults. Yeah. 
people. Like it, it, it often does not end well. Sometime I'll tell you about a uh, cult that I was with. So, Goddamn rock and roll guys. Yeah, I'll tell you about. I'll tell you about my life with the Thrill Kill cult. <laughs> oh, you see what I did there? I totally <laughs> see that. That was a fun night. That was. That was awesome. Okay then. Well, this has been another episode of Stranger Than. Uh, we've. Stay tuned for the awesome song. Well, stay tuned for the awesome uh, song by Cobrigade. We are going to be playing for you, War Boys. Speaking of uh, kind of cult-ish right. type things, uh, I definitely say the War Boys are certainly very cultish. I I agree. Immort- I agree. Immortan Joe or Immortan Joe, whatever the fuck his name is. Uh, immortal Joe. They just are. Yep. They've ruined their language at that point. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Alex. Our first guest on Stranger Than. Woo! Thanks for having me. And uh, we will talk to you again soon. Do you enjoy the Stranger Than podcast? Please let us know. Check out and like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash stranger than podcast, or drop us an email, stranger than podcast at gmail.com. That's stranger than podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Also, feel free to email us any strange, mysterious, or misunderstood stories or topic suggestions that you'd like to share or hear about. If you enjoyed Pill Brigade and would like to know more, please check out the Facebook page, facebook.com slash pillbrigade1hrx. That's facebook.com slash p-i-l-l-b-r-i-g-a-d-e, the number one, hrx.